in the series uh, looking at the, the Sermon on the Mount, and John launched us beautifully into that. I really encourage you, if, you've not, um, if you weren't here last week or if you've not had a chance to listen to it, please do listen to it. It's so rich, and it will not just give you a, an overview of what we're going to be doing in the series, but it will help you actually understand the Bible better as well. Um, I love the way that he, he brings what he brings, because it's deeply rooted in him, and um, I, yeah, I just recommend you kind of get to that if you've not. Um, but we're going to be looking specifically today at the Beatitudes, and um, uh, I've, I've genuinely felt like I've gone on a bit of a journey as I've been preparing this. I felt like I've been changed, and, and my heart and my kind of perspective has been changed as I've done this, and I really pray and hope that happens this afternoon for you guys as well. So let's just ask Jesus to come and be with us. Um, yeah, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we're yours. Come and capture our heart again. Let's see you again. Let's encounter your presence. Yeah, praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Let me read this to you. This is from Matthew 5, uh, 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So just to give you a little bit of an overview, and we're going to kind of dig deep into this. I'm not going to do like a line-by-line exposition and pulling out all this detail and stuff. I want us, what I want to do is kind of provide for us just a couple of lenses uh, for us to look at this, and maybe in a fresh way, maybe just in a way that you've, you're really familiar with, but um, that, that's going to be the vibe today. Um, the word beatitude, uh, it comes from the Latin beatus, which means blessed. You're welcome. Uh, lots of words that mean what you think they mean. Um, what, is, what is happening right at the front of this sermon is that Jesus is holding up this idea of the blessed life. This is a life that is um, marked by righteousness, marked by an eternal kind of living. Um, and I think one, one of the things that happens in this, one of the things that I think that is potentially the thing that's being wrestled with, is there's a question that's being asked, which is, actually, how do we get hold of this blessed life? How can, I, how can that be mine? How can that be my experience? Um, there's a... There's a thread through this, and I, I, I hopefully forgive me for interchanging between these words, but 
that there's a thread to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, which is this idea of righteousness. Um, in fact, like you could look at chapter 5 and maybe sum it up by thinking about um, this being a picture of true righteousness that Jesus is presenting. You could look at chapter 6 and um, look at uh, how he's been presenting to us a false righteousness. And then at the beginning of chapter 7, there's a sense of him presenting what uh, self-righteousness could look like. Are we, are we judging others, making ourselves the choice and not making Jesus the choice? Um, and this, this word righteousness is based on this Greek word, dikaiosune. Uh, and it literally just means uh, righteousness, justice, the fulfillment of the law. There's a sense of completeness and rightness about this. And um, Jesus is pulling on this thread all the way through the sermon. So it will bounce back and forth, this idea of righteousness, all the way through uh, this series. But what I'm not going to do today is tell you, hey, you, you need to be living a righteous life. Come on, get it right, guys. You know, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, you know, if, if you're lying to people, stop it. If, you, if, you, if you're a bully, don't do it. It's mean. You know, if you, I don't know, if you're killing people, go to prison. You know, it, it's a big surprise. You know, we're, we're supposed to live a righteous life. It, like, makes sense. It's, like, social, socially, it's, like, it's the, it's the right thing to do, isn't it? You know? So, um, I'm sure we'll push into that a little bit, but that's not the focus today. That's not, I don't want to, what I don't want to do is, is suggest that I'm going to present this kind of fluffy, like, oh, it's all about grace and everything's okay. No, we need to lean into what it looks like to reflect the heart of God in the way that we live and the choices that we make. Uh, so let's kind of hold that as a little bit of a given, if that's okay, when we lean into, as we lean into this. So the dikaiosune, this righteousness, this eternal kind of living, this blessed life, is like a highly contended commodity. Um, because we kind of associate this idea of righteousness with whether you're in or whether you're out. It's like if, if, if someone's a righteous person, oh, well, they're, they're clearly in. Or if someone is doing something, they're not seeming to be that righteous, like, well... They're not in, are they? They're not in the club, but they're kind of out. So is it for, for humanity, and what that means in the bigger picture of salvation and eternity, this is a huge deal. And I think the church has wrestled with this idea through the ages because we, we're kind of obsessed with the idea of like, do I belong? Am I, am I part of this? Am, am I in? And we want to know that we are. We want to have that surety. Um, I feel like one of the, some of the contention that we find in this, and this is one of the lenses to hold over the whole thing, um, is, is this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees about how they saw this. Um, you know, particularly Matthew 23, Jesus is like super duper calling them out. Um, he calls them all kinds of names. Uh, um, but name calling isn't right. Um, but no, Jesus did it, so maybe it's okay. Um, I'm joking. Um, but he... he what is, what is, I guess he's, he's kind of straining against is this perception that the idea of the good life is something that is a status to acquire. Yeah? It's something that is a status uh, to acquire. And so if that's what it's about, actually life becomes all about the rules. Am I getting it right so that I can have this thing? Am I meeting the mark so that I can earn this reward? Um, and I think the question that then essentially gets asked so much is like, okay, what have I got to do to get it? What have I got to do to get it? Um, but if that's our starting place, it just becomes about earning, doesn't it? It just becomes about earning this blessed life, this dikaiosune, this eternal kind of living. Um, I think if we're trying to, in, a, in that posture, trying to earn, what you're, the kind of signpost that will probably 
jump up for you then will probably be that kind of thing that you're more concerned about fitting in than you are about really experiencing what it is to belong to something. Um, probably worse than that, you, you, you might be concerned about being the best, being better than anybody else, actually. And there's this kind of tension and this like, hierarchy that comes into place. Um, there's a contempt that happens. Because contempt, which is born out of anger in, in, in a weird way, but contempt fundamentally is about the idea of like, how do I exclude others and then elevate myself? And when you're, when you're pushing with this idea of like, how do I climb the ladder? How do I get my head and shoulders above everybody else? Contempt is a really powerful weapon in order to get there. Um, we actually live in a fixed state of anxiety. I think when we find ourselves in this kind of place, I think that we, we can be constantly sucked into that vacuum of comparison. Am I good enough? Have I met the mark? One of the other things I think that happens is that we're, we're so desperate to avoid the humiliation of what it looks like to be vulnerable that we present a version of ourselves that we think will be acceptable to other people. You know, what we produce becomes more important than the process that gets us there. We become indifferent about the dichotomy, the false dichotomy between our private life and the public life that we display to others. Our reputation becomes more important than our integrity. And actually, our status becomes more important than the state of our heart. You know, Jesus very eloquently talks to the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside. It's like, good job, guys. Nice DIY. But actually inside is death, hypocrisy, and lawlessness. So this is a really important lens because we realize that when the Pharisees hear this teaching, it is really offensive. It's really offensive. And I want us to look at why. Um, in, in chapter 5, verse 20, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never know what it's like to have your life surrounded by love and to be governed by grace. And so he, for, a, for a community of people who are obsessed with this idea, what do I have to do to get in? He's saying, even if, you know, you're not going to get unless you even exceed, even the, the kind of, the, the thing about the best Pharisee, you know, the biggest beard, the biggest phylactery, the biggest tassels, that guy, unless you exceed him, you're not in. So the offense that's in this is huge. It's like it's a massive kick in the teeth um, for, the, for the Pharisees as Jesus kind of brings out this teaching. Um, so Jesus is getting hold of this mindset and he's literally taking it and he's turning it all the way upside down. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Like how is, how is our heart? What's our heart doing? How is our heart feeling this? Because we're not excluded from any of this. This isn't about factions and different reasons. We're not excluded from any of this. Whether it's violent acts of narcissism or just working out how to look good on Instagram today whether it's soullessly climbing the corporate ladder or that crushing loneliness of feeling socially anonymous. Like how is your heart? How is your heart? Because one of, the, one of the lenses that people have put on the Sermon on Mount is like, if you live like this, you'll get that. You know, I loved the way that John cribbed that last week. He's like saying, you know, this isn't, this isn't a life that, um, you know, we, we were saved by it. 
if we live out this righteous living, this dikaiosune kind of life, we're saved by it. No, we're saved for it. We're saved for it. Um, and if Jesus is just saying, hey, you guys just need to get it right. In fact, you know, at the end of this chapter, he says, you be perfect. I'm like, thanks, Jesus. Like, as if that's going to happen. And we're left in this kind of like, well, that's great that you've set the bar, but I know I'm never going to meet that. And you might think, Jesus has been a bit mean. Um, but that's not what he's doing. Because if this is the mindset, if this is the, thing that, if this is the way that it is, Dallas Willard says that we're merely substitute a benign legalism for the ecstatic pronouncement of the gospel. We substitute this joy and openness and life that has been afforded for us by the blood of Jesus and replace it with like, can I get it right? Can I get the rules right? So Jesus is not answering the question, what have I got to do to get this blessed life? Because to be honest, it's a stupid question. That's not the question he's trying to answer. And this is probably as close to a sporting analogy that you're going to get from me. But I imagine, I imagine... That literally, Sam said to me the other day, I know you hate football, but can I use this analogy to explain something to you? But, but imagine trying to use the offside rule in cricket. Is that a thing? I've, I'm not entirely sure, but it feels like it'd be that kind of issue. Like it's, it's, you're playing the wrong game. You're asking the wrong question. The question that Jesus is trying to answer is who is this blessed life for? Who is this blessed life for? just want you to hold out your hands for me for a second. You can wiggle your fingers, just spirit fingers. That's beautiful. Um, I want you to imagine you've got, on this hand, you've got your, your five books of, of, of wisdom. You've got your Psalms, you've got your Proverbs, you've got your Ecclesiastes, you've got uh, Job, and you've got your Song of Songs. Yeah, the full breadth of human existence all of the highs all of the lows you know all the whoop whoop the song of songs and all of that oh my goodness of job all in your hand and then in this hand you've got the torah the five books of the bible the story of the god who is our creator who is gracious and compassionate slow to anger abounding in love the one who designs our salvation and who brings it and you've got these two things together. The whole, the, in fact, the way that the scriptures are being canonized, that you've got these five books of the Torah, and then you get five books of wisdom, and the whole point is that we bring them together and integrate them. So you can do that if you want. Ooh. If there's someone that you love that's near you, you can do it with their hand. That might get a bit weird, actually, don't do that. Um, but what is happening is that... that, that You've got in this moment, and this is the point I really want to drive home, that he is taking the fullness of human experience and he is bringing it together with the fullness of the reality of heaven. That's what's happening in this moment. This is what Jesus is saying. And it's all about people. I love this about the Bible. You read it and then you realize, yeah, there are actual people, real people, real life people that Jesus was speaking to. You know, he'd literally just been in in a place where people have been coming, the, 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 the lost, the lonely, the broken, the sick, the demon-possessed, and he was healing them, and he was delivering them, and he was encountering these people, looking them at their face, looking them eye to eye, speaking love to them, and acting compassion to them, and these were the people that were in front of him and saying, so you, and he can almost say, you, Jeff, who's been, you know, I know you've had a hard year this year, and you, you know, you lost your leg, so I've grown you a new one. 
this is for you. This blessed life is for you. This blessed life is for you. I love, I love that one of the most important postures we can understand about the Father is that his posture towards us is empathy. He's made this choice to associate with us. He's not, this isn't like an academic teaching series that Jesus has been locked away in a room and he comes out to the pulpit and, and you know, delivers to the people. Being in, he's been in there on his hands and knees, loving people, laying hands on people, speaking to people, hearing their stories, connecting, engaging. There's a humanity to this. And it's from that place that he brings this Sermon on the Mount. It's from that place that he begins intentionally with this opening of the Beatitudes and trying to answer this question, who belongs? Who's part of this? Who is this blessed life for? So I really want you to catch this. Because more than just that it's a real-life things happening with real-life people. Jesus, the God of creation, he was like, everything was made at his hands. You know, we just, just had that series, didn't we? Thinking about the, the, the person of Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done. He's coming and he's describing the human state, isn't he? What it is to be poor, to be grieving, to be meek, to be someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, to be persecuted and he's coming and he's saying hey this is my story this is my testimony he's starting the whole thing off by saying hey this humanity thing this is my story too the God of creation who was born into poverty a refugee man of sorrows nowhere to lay his head wounded and bruised for our sin the righteousness of God, the Prince of Peace, full of grace and truth. This is his testimony. The Beatitudes is his story. And what is happening in this moment, Jesus is bringing the fullness of humanity and the fullness of divinity, and he's bringing them together. Which is actually how it's meant to be. Jesus is showing us this is, this is how it's meant to be. The Chalcedonian Creed says that our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man. He's showing us that humanity was always meant to be one with divinity. The earth was always meant to have this collision from heaven. It always was. I just want to um, break the silence a little bit, just dead quick, because um, I want to do a bit of like audience participation. Is that okay? So just to kind of warm up your vocal cords, just go, <laughs> say peanuts and pachanga. I don't know. It's the weirdest of my brain. Because um, there's some things in life, aren't there? I want to catch this. There's some things in life that are meant to be together. So if I say f- knife, you say... Four. Yeah, you get it. Um, uh, if I say Batman, you say... Robin. Robin. You're so good. If I say gin. Tonic. Here's one for you old people. Cagney. Lace. Oh my goodness, I thought no one would get that. That's amazing. Do you remember that TV, TV show with the lady cops? So good. Fish. Chips. Simon. Scooby. It's the same thing. Stop it. Um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, nuts. 
Bolts, thank you. Tweedledum. Excellent. Cheese. Who says wine? Yeah, it's not a Baptist church, is it, boys? Come on. Flipping it. Jesus is showing us a Thanks very much, everyone. Jesus is showing us a picture of humanity, that actually humanity without him will be poor, destitute, hungry, grieving, persecuted. It will always need mercy and purity and peace, that without him we are unfulfilled, incomplete, a story half-written, a lock without a key, a mountain without a summit, a heart without love. A life lived without Jesus will always be a life unfulfilled. A life lived without Jesus will always be a life unfulfilled. I know this feels desperate, but actually I think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be. Dallas Willard says this, Our human life is not destroyed by God's life, but is fulfilled in it and in it alone. Having established a beachhead of divine life in an extraordinary human existence, Jesus finally steps into the public arena to expose his life publicly and make it available to the world. You know, this door that had been locked shut has suddenly flung open. He's made a way. Something mysterious happened in its quarter because the God of creation has put on breath and dust and all of humanity and all of divinity is found in him. I love that Jesus presents himself to say, this is my story. And my story becomes the doorway. So, to the question, who is the blessed life for? The answer that Jesus gives us is a loud, offensive, resounding, everybody. Everybody. Everybody, are you poor? It's for you. Are you destitute? It's for you. Are you broken, sinful, dysfunctional? It's for you as well. Are you grieving, suffocated by loss? There's a blessing for you. Are you lonely, cut off, cut out and rejected? There's a blessing for you. Are you annoying, stressy, and controlling? (laughs) There's a blessing for you as well. Isn't that good news? For every peacemaking parent who's just trying to get their kids even to be vaguely civil with one another, there's a blessing for you. For everyone who's steady in the way that they express love and kindness to others, even if it gets unnoticed, there's a blessing for you. For every time you've been hurt, betrayed, and you offer forgiveness, you're blessed. Because there's more than just your life at work in this. His life is at work in you. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be peachy, but there's hope. You know, one of the things that can happen is, and I think this is one of the dynamics of the Pharisees, is that this idea of contempt, you know, if I exclude others and elevate myself. This idea of contempt is a really important one to to, to recognize in ourselves. Because if the answer we're trying to, the question we're trying to answer is like, how do I earn it? 
Hello. We're going to be working super hard, aren't we? We're going to be working super hard to get it right. And if we see someone over there who's not working super hard, but yet, and they fluff it up, and yet they get grace and forgiveness. Maybe they succeed or get opportunity. And we're like, why, well, why should they get stuff? I'm working really hard over here. I'm trying to get it all right. I'm going right into the detail. Everything about the way that I'm living my life. I've got my quiet time. I turn up to church. I wear my mask. Do my hair. <laughs> but we look over to the other person and we're like, why should they get the blessing? And then we realize, ah, it's kind of like the older son in the story of the prodigal son. It's kind of like the, the scornful onlookers as the sinful woman breaks the alabaster jar and anoints the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is calling us to himself and he's saying, even the cynic, the critic, the judgmental, the prejudiced, he's saying, come on, let it go. Everything I have, all the abundance of heaven, all the abundance of this blessed life is yours and I'm always with you. So this was Jesus' story and his story becomes the door, but it's also our story. I think that's the point. It's also our story. This grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. The whole breadth of human existence is made whole when we meet Jesus. It's in him that this blessed life, this righteous living, this eternal kind of life is made full in us. You know, 2 Peter 1 uh, verse 4 even says that we get to be partakers in his divine nature. We get to be partakers in his divine nature. So I just want to invite the band back up. Uh, and San, if you want to come as well. Um, I know that it's hard. I find this hard. I know that for me, like, we used to sing some of these same songs in a different place and there were different people in the room. And it's really hard. I know that disappointment and trauma and the, even just the disconnection and the grief of the last two years, it's worn us down. I think it causes us not to do the things that we used to do. It causes us not to hope the way that we used to. It causes us not to trust the way that we used to. It causes us not to lean in in a way that we used to. Or believe with that heart of a child the way that we used to. But I kind of feel like there's a, it's time to turn around. You know, I've allowed my own disappointment to tell me who God is. And that's not cool. That's going to leave me in a reduced state of existence. 
But this is his call to us. I love that the resonance that this has, that the Beatitudes aren't just live like this and you'll get the blessing, but it's like, then this is the blessing that is for you. And he leads us to chapter 11. And this isn't meant to be just a respite from that overactive life of trying to get it right. This is actually the way of living. And he says to us, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me and I'll, rec- and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, to walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So just to finish, I want us to worship together, but I want us to, I think it's really important to respond. I need to respond. I need to break out of that mindset that has allowed the disappointment to create theology. It's allowed the last season to tell me who my Jesus is. I want to break into a new place. I want to take hold of the fact that the door that was locked has now been flung open because he has come and said, well, this is my story. This is who I am. But this, this, is, this is who you are. This is who we are. And so the blessing is for us. So in a moment, I just want you to come and be a brave sausage and come and stand down at the front and find space for yourself as a physical mark of like, Jesus, would you come? I, want to, I just want it to be you. I just want to see you. I just want to walk how you walk. I just want to know who you are and just know that that's enough. But the other thing I want us to really, th- maybe this is the homework, but if this is his story that becomes a doorway, but it's also our story, guess what? It becomes the doorway. It becomes life for others. Let's not wait to be perfect before we allow ourselves to experience this blessing. I want us to know that this humanity that we are experiencing right now has the opportunity to encounter his divine life. And there's probably somebody that you're walking with that needs to know your life sucks too. But you have hope. But you have hope. It's not always about living in the victory and saying, hey, come get on the glory train. It's just about being who you are. Presence over perfection. So pray. Pray for those people. Pray for the opportunities just to be alongside them and to share his love with them. So those are the two things I want us to respond to. Is that cool? So put your brave pants on because we don't do these this loads, do we? Don't know if you want to say anything, Sam. Um, but if if you want to if you want to step into that place of like Jesus, I want to take your yoke upon me. I want to come and learn those unforced rhythms of grace. I want to know that where I start from is in not having to work my way from the outside in. I know that I belong rather than I've got to work out how to fit in. If you just need the solace of that and the peace of that divine presence of Jesus Christ meeting you in your humanity. Please now just come and stand and find yourself a space at the front. Let's do that now. You have to be a little bit brave. And if you're at home, 
talk to Jesus. If you're with somebody, get them to give you a hug. He's opening a door right now. Threshing the wheat is a hard thing. But the wind of the Spirit is going to blow through this place and all the, all the dross is just going to float away. And all that is rich and full about this life that is intended for you is going to be held in His hands. There's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. If you need to say sorry to Him, say sorry to Him. But He has made a way. He is our righteousness. He is our hope. Come Holy Spirit.